Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Well, hanging in my house is this little sign. I hang it up at the bottom of the stairs so that every time we go down the stairs, we read this sign. And two of my three kids who can read anyway read it. We read this sign. It says this, today it's going to be a great day. Now, why do I hang this up? Because I really love cheesy Hobby Lobby signs. Maybe. No, I do, but no. I hang this up because there is so much power in the words that we speak over our life. And here's the deal. If I'm speaking over my life, today is going to be a great day. Pretty much no matter what happens during the day, I'm going to choose to see the best in the day. I'm going to choose to believe today is a great day. Now, on the flip side, if I were to wake up every day and say, man, I'm a nobody. Nobody likes me. I got no friends. My job stinks. Life's really hard. What do you think would happen? Yeah. You know what I found to be very true, and I learned this when I was at the U of I in some of my psychology classes, it's called the self-fulfilling prophecy. And we'd say it kind of this way, what you believe really affects your behavior. What you believe affects who you become. So it's really important that we're speaking good things over our life. Now, does that mean I get to wake up every day and say, I'm going to be an NBA player? Oh, I believe it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, become that. It's not, it's not, it doesn't work that way. But if I say, you know what, I want to be a healthy person. I want to be a healthy person. And I declare this every day, multiple times throughout the day, it's going to affect my behavior. When I have the choice to climb the stairs or take the elevator, I'm going to say, I'm a healthy person. I'm going to take the stairs, right? Or I'm a healthy person. I'm going to choose this instead of that. What we believe really affects our behavior. And we've been in this series called Beyond Blessed where we've been learning about God's best plan for our finances so that we can live completely stress-free. And you know what I'm finding? We have some faulty beliefs when it comes to money. And our faulty beliefs are affecting our financial behavior. What we believe is affecting how we behave. And our first faulty belief we talked about last week, actually, so if you missed the message from Hap, I want to encourage you to go back and listen online. But the first belief that we have that is wrong is that we are owners. Last week, Hap shared in detail that God is the owner, and we read here in Psalm 24.1 that this is true. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. And we've been living with the idea that we are the owners. Who has kids? If you have kids, Sullivan, raise your hands too. If you have kids, raise your hand. Okay, you've seen this principle lived out with your kids. How? Your teenager gets grounded from their cell phone. They're like, you can't do that, that's mine. And you're like, really? Oh my gosh, I didn't know you paid that bill. That's amazing. My little kids, they'll be like, get out of my room. I'm like, you don't pay the mortgage, that's mine, right? I think the Lord kind of looks at us sometimes and he's like, I kind of see the same thing, right? We think that what we have is ours. And the Lord is like, kid, it's on loan, right? You're not an owner, you're a steward. Now, why does it matter that we are thinking this way? 
When we believe that we are owners instead of the stewards we are called to be, it's going to create a lot of tension in our lives. And that's because we are carrying the weight of responsibility that we are not supposed to carry. Stewards are not supposed to carry the weight of ownership. Have you, if you've ever rented an apartment, say, say, you know, whatever, you've rented an apartment and the fridge goes out, right? I mean, now that's annoying, it's really, it's like, oh, what an inconvenience, but you know what? When the fridge goes out, what do you do? You call the landlord, right? The owner, and you say, buddy, you got a problem with your fridge, you gotta come fix this, right? You don't feel the weight of, oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to take care of this, I'm gonna have to pay the bill. Do you see the difference? Ownership and stewardship are two very different things. And a lot of time, because we believe we are the owner, we are carrying a weight that we were never designed to carry. God's plan for us is that we would live free from financial stress. And that means we have to believe the truth that we are not the owners, we are the stewards. So what we're called to do is actually change the way that we think. Let's read here in Romans what it says about this. Romans 12 says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Other versions will say like renew your mind, right? This will empower you to discern God's will for your life, or will for you as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Right, Paul is inviting believers everywhere to simply change your mind. Renew your mind. So if you have been carrying the burden of ownership, when you're really called to be a steward, you're not walking in the freedom that we're promised. And there's a lot of fruit that comes with that. And it's bad fruit. Stuff like stress, worry, anxiety, fear. And so what we have to do is actually pause and say, Holy Spirit, have I been believing wrong? Do I have a faulty belief when it comes to ownership? Do I believe that I'm the owner? Or can you renew my mind, Holy Spirit, and show me I am not the owner, I am the steward? We need to change the way that we think. And if we have a faulty belief system, right, it's gonna come out in our behavior. I've learned a lot about money in the past couple decades, and you know, it's stuff I was never taught as a kid. Here's the truth. Most people do not learn about how to handle finances from their parents. They learn from their first employer. Twofold here. Okay, so parents, whoa, we got some work to do, right? <laughs> we really do. A stewardship affects 100% of the population. It, it's important. We need to teach our kids how to do this well. But second, business owners, what an opportunity for you. I was talking to a young business owner, uh, business guy this week, and he said, you know, I've just like felt the burden for helping the guys in the factory learn how to handle their personal finances. And I think, what a gift. You don't have to do that. But when you care about making a kingdom impact, you're going to live a little differently. You're going to go above and beyond. That's kingdom, man. We want to see more of that. And there's another business owner who is just a generous guy. And he was sitting down with his, his uh, employees not too long ago. He said, listen, generosity is what motivates me to work hard. I want to earn a lot so I can give a lot. And he said, I want to start by being generous with you. So you know what he did? He passed out a $100 bill to every person in, in the thing. Hap, are you listening? Take note. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So he did that, and then he said, but you know what? I want this to go beyond you. And so that he gives them all another $100 bill and says, go give that away. That's generosity. Generosity begets generosity. We want to live like kingdom men and women everywhere we go, and we want to have a kingdom mindset when we do it. So there's this huge opportunity for you in business to teach others how to have a kingdom mindset on money, even if you can't call it that. 
right? But I've learned a lot about money growing, uh, since I've grown up, right? As a kid, I didn't know very much. In fact, I lived with what you would call a scarcity mentality or a poverty mentality. And what that just means is I never believed that I had enough. I always thought that I have an insufficient amount. And you know why? We always had not enough, right? There was always fear around money. I, I was raised with a single mom, four kids. Our only income was dis her disability check and child support, and it was just tight all the time. We lived in Section 8 housing. I lived on the assistance of the government. Like, I am a product of always needing assistance. That was my life. And you know what it created in me? Fear. When you don't have what you need and you're always worried about where the next is going to come from, there's this fear that you walk in. And so I'm just telling you, anytime, anything I'm sharing today, it's coming from a place of I've lived it. I've done this, man. I've lived in a place with nothing and I've seen God's faithfulness and it is good. It is really good. But I want to invite you today to kind of take a look and say, man, what have I believed since I was a kid? Are there some things that I wasn't seeing right? Because I wasn't thinking correctly. I was thinking that, you know, even as God's kids, well, certainly we have limitations. Like, certainly there's, there's not going to be enough because that was my experience. But that's not what Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us that we're going to have everything we need and plenty left over to share with others. But that's not what the poverty mindset will tell you. The poverty mindset will say you have an insufficient amount. How is that reflected in your behavior? Because what you believe affects how you behave. If you have a poverty mindset, you're living in a place that says, right now, this present moment is the most important. What does that mean? You get cash in your pocket, what are you gonna do? Spend it right away, right? Oh, I don't know, I live in fear that I'm not gonna have enough for tomorrow, so I better get what I want today. I better spend everything and then hope tomorrow shows up, you know, that we have something to do tomorrow. The poverty mindset says, I have an insufficient amount and I'm going to live in fear. It says you never have what you need. You know, this is why, um, well, in the poverty mindset, it also says things are never going to change. It's always going to be this way, right? This is why generational poverty is so hard to break. It's the cycle of poverty in families. You know why? Because you're not just breaking, like teaching people how to budget. It's not a budget issue. It's actually a deeply rooted identity issue that just says, this is who I am. We're just poor. This is my life. It's never going to be any different. This is who I am. And the poverty mindset doesn't just affect our money. It can affect so many different areas, right? You can say, well, my granddaddy was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. It's just in the cards for me. Now, my grandparents actually sound like that, so it's okay for me to say that like that. He's got, they got the accent. It can come out in different ways. Everyone in my family gets divorced. It's just, it's just what we do. You see how the poverty mindset says, one, you live in fear about tomorrow, and two, it's always going to be this way. And anytime I hear things like, this is hopeless, it's never going to get any better, I know that that has Satan written all over it. He would love nothing more than to disarm you and steal your hope and say, it's never going to change, it's always going to be this way, so ho-hum, let's just hope for the best. No, that's a, he's a liar, and we can call him out as such. The kingdom of God is a place of peace. The kingdom of God is a place of worry-free, no anxiety, no fear. And if we're living with those things, we are not living in the full expression of everything that Jesus has to offer us. We have to re renew our minds to the truth. God is the owner. We are the stewards. And so that means we can just go, and when we go, and we do this, we're starting to operate with what we call the abundance mindset. 
The abundance mindset says, guess what? I have everything I need. I have everything I need. I don't have to live in worry, fear. I have everything I need. Why? We have the presence of God himself. Let's read here in Hebrews 13.5. It says this, don't be obsessed with money. How many of you are constantly thinking about money? Constant, either about what I'm going to do with all my money, which is cool, or, gosh, I have nothing. What am I going to do with it? You know, how am I going to survive? Don't be obsessed with money. But live content with what you have, for you always have God's presence. For hasn't he promised you, I will never leave you alone, never, and I will not loosen my grip on your life. Sons and daughters, we lack nothing God owns the earth and everything in it. Do you know what that means for us? Our dad is loaded. That's good news for some of you. That's good news for me. My dad's loaded. And because I have him, I have everything I need. I have perfect peace. I have uh, freedom. I have joy. When we have his presence, we have everything that we need. And so we have to renew our minds to this truth. When we start cultivating the abundance mindset, you know what? You start living quite grateful for everything you have and quite content instead of longing for something you don't have. Do you see how it's actually all in the mind? This says nothing actually about your bank account. Nothing. How's your heart? How's your mind? Let's renew our mind to the truth that he is the owner. And you're listening and you're like, this sounds great, cool. Change my mind, everything's gonna be great. But how do I actually live this out? Why? We got bills to pay, right? We got bills to pay, how are we gonna do this? Here's what we have to know about God's amazing promises. And scripture is loaded with the promises of God. What we have to understand is that his, his, his promise comes with a plan, right? There, there's a plan that is attached to his promise. And, and there's just, he doesn't just willy-nilly like start throwing out resources and say, ah, oh, good luck, kids. Like, would you do that with your kids? No, they can't handle it, right? There's a good plan that comes with following God's best plan for your finances. There's a way he wants you to do it. And the promise is that in the 2 Corinthians 9 is that we're gonna have everything we need and plenty left over to share with others. But how do we get there? God's best plan for your finances is threefold. Three things that we're called to do as good stewards. One, good stewards give generously. Two, they save diligently. And three, they spend wisely. Now, Hap talked in detail last week about how we are to give generously. The tithe, listen, I could talk about tithing forever and a day, so I have to get really careful because I get really excited about tithing. You know why? Changed my life. If you want your finances completely transformed by God, start tithing. This has nothing to do with your money and everything to do with your heart. You know, in scripture it says that where our treasure is, our heart will be also. I think that God is so passionate about your heart, but he knows your heart and your money are all smushed up in there together. It's like, I'm gonna go after their heart, which means, you know, the money is just right there. When we start trusting God with the very little, with the first 10% of our money, he knows he can trust you with everything. He's after all of you, not just the first 10%. But the first 10% is a declaration of faith. God, I trust you. I'm gonna give to you the first 10% in faith, believing that you are gonna hold up your end of the bargain. What's his end? He's gonna provide everything we need and we're gonna have plenty left over to share with others. Tithing will change your life. 
Do you know that God's promise is abundance in every area? Now, abundance, that's like a weird word because we don't, we, how do you qualify or quantify that? You can't. Abundance. How many of you got in your car this morning, started it up, and it worked, and you said, oh, I'm living in the abundance of God? You didn't do that? You're going to now. The abundance of God comes in so many different ways. I've seen random checks come in the mail for people. I've seen huge raises. I've seen the abundance of God come as people trust God with their finances. But the abundance of God also can show up in the form of a bill that will never be. When I was at the U of I, um, I think it was my sophomore year, it was midterms time, and apparently I was a little stressed. I'm not really good at knowing when that happens. Uh, I broke out in hives all over my body, so I went to the ER. <laughs> and they're like, are you stressed? I'm like, apparently. <laughs> anyway, so they fixed me up, patched me up, sent me back on my way. Thank you, Carl Hospital. And about a month later, get this bill in the mail for $1,000. How many of you have ever received a bill and you think, there's no way? There's just no way. You guys, I was a college kid putting myself through school. I could hardly afford the gas and the books and all the things. Like, how am I going to do this? $1,000. Do you know who my dad is? He's loaded. God owns the earth and everything in it. Was he filled with anxiety about that bill? No, he wasn't. He wasn't worried one bit. So he said, hey, Leah, I want you to write a letter. I'm like, a letter? Like, letter, letter? Yeah. So I get out a piece of paper. He's like, yeah, I want you to write Carl a letter. So I said, dear Carl. It went something like this. It's been a few years. I don't really remember. Thank you for fixing the hives. Feeling much better. Uh, I'm a broke college kid, and I can't pay this bill. What am I going to do? And I prayed over it, stuck it in the mail. Do you know one week later, I got a response from Carl Hospital, and they said, your bill is completely dissolved. They got rid of it. I mean, that, that is the favor and the goodness and the abundance of God. My God owns the earth and everything in it, and I never have to live with fear. He wants to provide for every need that we have, but would you invite him in? If you are carrying a burden of finances, it was never yours to carry. You are the steward, not the owner. So we, as you give generously in faith, you get to pull on God and say, hey, God, you have a bill. I don't know how you're going to pay it, but tell me and I'll help. You know, we'll do it together. <laughs> He's the owner. We're the steward. But it starts by trusting him. And if we're not tithing, we are missing out on these amazing, abundant blessings. It starts with the tithe. First part of the plan, give generously. Two, we are called to save diligently. You guys, I can tell you're really excited about this. <laughs> Woo, saving. <laughs> Listen. I know we don't like to save, it's hard. But there was a study in 2016 and two thirds of the people surveyed said they could not afford a $500 car repair or a $1,000 emergency room bill that was unexpected. That would have been me, right? Couldn't afford it, why? We don't know how to save for tomorrow. We want what we want and we want it now. Hasn't culture set us up for this so well? I can pull out my phone, jump on Amazon, click things and it shows up tomorrow. That's amazing, but also it's kind of destroying us. When I was a kid and I wanted to listen to a song on the radio, okay, here's the deal. When I actually wanted to record the song I wanted, save from going and buying it, which I probably should have done, 
I would sit by my little tape recorder, and the minute the, you guys know because you did it, the minute the song came on, you'd push record, and you'd, you'd record the song so that you had it on the cassette player. Do you know now what my kids get to do? They say, hey Alexa, play Old Town Road. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse to the Old Town Road, and I'm gonna... Oh, it's so easy. They don't know the struggle of waiting. But here's the deal. We don't know the struggle of waiting any longer. We want what we want, and we want it now. Savings requires, to, if you're going to save for tomorrow, it requires the utmost patience, and it means that we have to be willing to wait for what we want. Do you know, if we are choosing to not tithe, and if we are choosing to not save for tomorrow, we are actually stealing now, Malachi 3.8, super straight up when it comes to how we steal from the Lord. He says, when you don't tithe, you are stealing from me. What are we spending God's money on? Dance lessons for our kids? Like our favorite pizza place? Like that seems ridiculous. We, it's his money, we should give it back. It doesn't belong to us. But if we fail to save for tomorrow, who are you robbing from? Yourself. You are stealing from your future self. You are robbing your future self of peace and you're robbing your family of future peace. Because you want to live in the moment. You want what you want, and you want it now. Can we be wise enough to say, hey, let's save for tomorrow so that we can live in the peace that Jesus promises us tomorrow? Good stewards save diligently. It's what we're called to do. And it will bring what? Peace. This is what we're after, right? We're after peace that passes all understanding, that we're not living with financial stress, that we're living in the promises of God. So good stewards, we give generously, we save diligently, put something away for tomorrow. Start somewhere, do it for yourself. No one is gonna be more passionate about you tomorrow than you. Love yourself enough. And number three, good stewards, spend wisely. We have to count the cost. We have to count the cost. Good stewards spend wisely, and to do that, we have to choose to do some simple math. Don't tune out, because I said math. I promise, listen, I didn't do math in high school. It's really hard in college. Math is not my thing, but I, I will say this. You know when your teachers were always like, oh, you gotta learn these, these facts, these math facts, because you're not always gonna have a calculator in your pocket. I, they lied. I always have a calculator. I didn't have to learn anything. It's still wise to learn the math facts. Don't tell my kids I said that. I want them to learn them. <laughs> we have to do some simple math. Here's the concept we must learn. We cannot spend what we do not have. Guys, we don't like this. Why? Don't put limits on me. Right? Don't tell me what to do. Oh, it's for your good. It's for your best. We have to do some simple math. We have to be able to count the cost. Jesus says it this way in Luke 14. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then, he says, everyone will laugh at you. That's terrible, but kind of funny. Um, they would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? Jesus uses two illustrations here 
a builder and a king going to war to simply say, hey guys, you gotta do the math. So here's the question. Can you afford the lifestyle you are currently living? Or are you living on loan and therefore stealing from your future self? And listen, this is not to bring shame. There's so much shame around finances. People like, oh, if people knew what my finances were, I'd be so embarrassed. There's no shame in Jesus. This is an invitation to freedom. It's an invitation to live out the peace that is promised in the word. But it does take some discipline. And Holy Spirit wants to meet you in it. He wants to be a part of the process. He doesn't want to be relegated to the side and say, well, hope for the best, kid. He wants to do it together. He wants to walk with us. But we have to invite him in to the spending. We have to invite him in. There's a really great tool that we use in our class called Kingdom Finance, and I know in Sullivan you guys use um, FPU, which is amazing. There's a, a tool called the Spending Journal, and you should have received one on your way in. If not, grab it on the way out. Now, this is a hard copy, so this is old school, and I get that. We do have something online that you can use as well. Um, but find a way where you can take some time to sit down and look at your spending. This is the part people don't wanna do because it's a discipline, right? It's hard. Every time you make a purchase, okay, you dig around for quarters in your car and you make a purchase, even those, and you do that, you know you do that. Um, you write it down. I want everything written down so that you can take one month of spending and see where you're at. The first part of stewardship is awareness, and I promise you this, if you're not currently logging your spending, you will be shocked. And it's, it's not a judgment, it's just, I've seen it over and over and over, you'll be shocked. I don't want you to be shocked about your money. I want you to be wise. So I want you to take some time. Every time you make a purchase, you say, may I please have a receipt? And you take it home and you write it down. Now listen, I'm married to the king of receipt tracking. It drives me crazy um, in the best way. So I was driving to work one day and I had a headache and I thought, well, I'll just stop at Walgreens and I'll grab some Tylenol and then go to work. So I did, I went in, bought the Tylenol, got in my car, I'm driving to work, and I get a text from Ben, and it says, hey babe, what'd you get at Walgreens? I'm like, are you watching, like what is happening? Like, he saw the charge come through. He's so on top of our finances, and you know what, I'm so grateful. Do you know that in marriage, finances are to be united? Listen, we, people love to do their own thing, and just hear me out. We are one in everything. Why are we operating separately when it comes to finances? I think we're missing out on the blessing of oneness when we try to do it on our own, and usually people aren't doing it together because there's a trust issue. That would be a Holy Spirit moment. Invite him into that because he wants to bring some healing there. But I believe that together, you're gonna pull on the best of each other. Even, even with me, like, I'm a better spender than Ben. I'm really good at it. So times come where you just need to spend the money, and he's like, oh, I just can't spend, I'm like, I got this. You know, he needs me. It's important to do finances together. Hey. <laughs> All right, so I want you to take time and look at your finances and do it together. Record it for a month. Next week when you come back, Clay is going to share about the importance of, well, my favorite B word. Not that one. The budget, it's gonna be so great. So when you come back next week, we're gonna talk about the budget and how you create a budget for your life. Now listen, people hate the word budget, you know why? You say, don't control me. Don't tell me how to spend my money. I won't, I promise. I'm not gonna do your budget. You're going to do your budget. 
You're gonna sit down and put yourself in the driver's seat and start telling your money exactly where you want it to go. There's nothing more empowering. We wanna empower you to make wise choices. Don't let like, spending just happen to you. Be in the driver's seat. Take the reins and run. We're gonna learn all about that next week. Why don't we like budgets? We don't wanna live within limitations. Why? Society tells us we don't have to. Take, take your cell phones. Look, I got my cell phone when I was a freshman in college. What was it for? Emergencies only, right? You don't, you don't turn it on, you don't even look at it funny because you think, oh, it's gonna start charging me, weird. I didn't want to do that. But over time, the limits changed. Soon I had like 10 text messages a month and 30 minutes in case, so you could use it, but you had to live within the boundary, right? Who remembers free nights and weekends? You guys, glory be, we had free nights and weekends, game changer. Especially for those of you with teenagers at the time, I remember the parents of teenagers going, you sent 10,000 text messages, you are so grounded, because you had to pay for all those, right? Super expensive. What do we have now? Unlimited data, unlimited minutes, unlimited whatever we want. We don't know how to live within a boundary, and it's hurting us. Society is saying, do what you want when you want. That's not kingdom. It's not wise. We want to call you up that there's a better way. It's wise to live within your boundaries for your sake. This is what's best for your life. A lot of times, we make purchases based on our feelings. Actually, most spending is emotional. Do you know this? Think about it. I don't feel like cooking, because I never do. I don't feel like cooking. I'm just going to order pizza. I had a really bad day today. You know what I'm gonna do? A little self-care and get my nails done. I love to get my nails done. I'm not judging it, they're done right now, I love it. Can you afford your self-care? If you cannot, you are destroying your future self today. You think you're doing the most loving thing by taking good care of yourself, by spending, but actually, you're destroying your future self. So the best thing you can do before you make a purchase is say, Holy Spirit, how do you feel about this purchase? Holy Spirit, why am I wanting to do this? Why am I wanting to spend money this way? Because usually it's something else. It's like, well, I'm, I'm tired, or I'm feeling insecure, or I, I had a bad day. You know, someone said something mean, and this makes me feel better. Can we allow Holy Spirit to be the one to do the work in our heart? Where it's not going to kill our bank accounts because we're so motivated to spend emotionally versus just trusting him to, to do the real work in our hearts. He wants to help us. He doesn't want to leave us on our own. So we're going to invite Holy Spirit into our purchasing. Three things that good stewards do so well. We give generously. Why? God gave to us. You guys, you can't outgive God. Hear me when I say this. I have seen it over and over and over. I've seen it. Years ago, the Lord asked us to start giving him 20% of our income. I don't say this to brag, I just say this, and I didn't want to. My husband is generous, and he's like, we should do what Jesus says. It's, it always works out for the best, I promise. <laughs> so we give, give him 20%, but then I go part-time. I lose half my salary. Do you know within one year, the Lord restored to us not only that, it's 25% in raises that came through Ben's work because we trusted him with the 20. Do you see what happens? It's supernatural. It's not something that you're... It doesn't always make sense in your brain when we give generously, but he is supernaturally faithful to meet every need that you have. And there's story after story. Two, save diligently. 
Be passionate about your future self. Care about your future family enough that you pause today and save for tomorrow. It's important. And three, spend wisely. I want you guys to start recording. This is the practical application side of biblical wisdom. Write it down. Find a way that works. Put it in your phone. Find an app. But write down what you're spending so that you are aware of where your money is going. The first step is awareness. We got to know. And then invite Holy Spirit into the budgeting process, which we'll talk about next week. And when we do all these things, you know what? We get to live with the peace that is promised. We get to live free of financial stress and anxiety. It's all here in the word. I've lived it in my life, and it's what I want for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you so much just for your good uh, promises. Thank you that your word is true. And I just pray right now, if there's any place in our life where the enemy is coming to like bring shame or um, even just to disconnect our hearts, God, would you just weed that out in Jesus' name? God, we want to do what you want for us. We want to live your best when it comes to our finances. And I just thank you that this week, Holy Spirit, you are going to lovingly remind us when it comes to spending that we want to be good stewards. And thank you, God, that you're always with us. You never leave us and you're for us. We love you so much. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.